Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. The first day of training is when I realized, oh, this is why they win the league every year. When I, I spoke with Kevin, if I gonna sign or no for Olympiakos, I say, you are pretty good deal, like my friend. I can't speak, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's happening everybody gate seven international back at it again another sunday from what's been a pretty good weekend for libyakos Starting off with a nice basketball win for the first EuroLeague game of the season. I got to watch a good chunk of that. Uh, more basketball than I've watched my whole life. But it was very nice. And then a come-from-behind win. Probably a harder, harder task than it should have been. But we'll get into that in just a minute. Costa Marcial, how are you boys doing today? What's happening, Ari? Uh, hey, I'm good, man. We won, so I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm happy. <laughs> Marcial, how about you, buddy? Quite fine, quite fine. I'm, I'm a little bit cold, as you can maybe hear with my voice, but otherwise, it's all good, as you say. We won the game, and that's all matters today. That's very true. That's very true. And we're going to get into all of that in just a second. But before we continue, guys, don't forget, like and subscribe if you're tuning in and you don't do so already. Follow us on socials. Help us grow the red-white community. We are getting bigger and bigger all of the time. And as Gustav brought up on a previous show, we did a giveaway. And if we get to 3,000 subs, we'll do another giveaway. We love doing giveaways. You guys love giveaways. So the faster we get there, the faster this giveaway will happen. So hit the bell if you want to be notified anytime we go live, anytime deep dives come out, anytime the Olympiacos DC matches go live as well. They drew today, but we, we do host their matches on most weekends for you betting guys out there gate 7 intl is the promo code you get 125 percent deposit boost at betus.com.pa when you use our promo code and we do put some betting lines out and of course we provide you guys with the statistics that we have from the platforms that we use so hopefully we can help you guys also make some money while supporting the team that you love so check it out, gate7intl at betus.com.pa. And an oldie but goodie for the old schools, the OGs of the show. You guys remember the old school Piraeus ad reads where they're back. If you're shipping to and from Greece, anywhere from around the world, you're shipping things from Greece to the United States, anywhere you need, you can use our friends at Piraeus International. Check out their website at www.piraeusintl.com or give them a call at 410-675-4696 and they can help you ship whatever you want in and out of Greece to the United States, anywhere around the world. Check them out and ship whatever you want in and out of Greece. And one other quick bit of news before we go on to the post-match. We had the draws for the Euro 2024 qualifications the Greek national team got a tough group drawing France, Holland, Ireland, and Gibraltar. But remember, guys, it's a tough qualification group. A lot of people aren't too positive about our hopes getting out. But because we won our Nations League group, if we do not qualify out of this group, we do get a chance for a playoff and a second chance at qualification. So 
Don't forget that, and we will be catching up with this, watching all of these games. Did either of you guys have any comments before we move on to the Libyakos stuff? That national team looks... Sorry, that group looks bloody difficult, man. Yeah. Getting out of that. Normally, like, national team back in the day, you wouldn't bet against them getting a good result against the bigger teams because we'd defend really well and we could go and hit them on the counter and we'd have the element of surprise. With the national team today, you just you just don't really know what to expect, even though I think Poirier's solidified more um, his style or, you know, you can, you can try already to discern what he wants to play or how he wants the national team to play. But it's going to be interesting, man. I think... I think people assume we're kind of going to get whipped by France and Holland. Yeah, every, everyone assumes we're going to get whipped by them. But I I personally wouldn't be surprised if we yeah, get some surprise results, maybe against the Dutch. We'll see. I mean, it looks, yeah, you look at that and it's, it's a horrible draw. It's a horrible draw. Martial, what do you think? Well, I'm curious to see Greece in that group because... Uh, Ever won the having won the uh, the national leagues group give gives Greece uh, a spot in uh, I don't know the name in English you know when you have to play uh, I think well, it's another tie for Greece like having won the national league group so I'm curious to see what this team can do against two big teams like France and Netherlands because. Uh, so many qualities in both countries, like even with a B team, it will be a difficult task for Greece. So I really hope Greece can hand up, hands up a third of this group and maybe with one win against France or Netherlands to be a bonus. But as Costa, think... as Costa said, is a very, very difficult throw. It is. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, the, the hope that we have is that the team looks better under Gus Poyep. So hopefully we'll see we'll see some magic, some of that Greek magic. But let's not take uh, the chats already getting into it. Let's just jump right into it. Libyakos, they get the win today in dramatic fashion. Well, maybe not the most dramatic fashion, but it's come from behind after a really difficult first half, more difficult than it needed to be. And before we kind of start talking about the game itself, there is a comment here that I want to start with because it's something I wanted to address. Uh, and coming in from TF91, hi guys, what a game today. I think we have great quality in our roster. Michel should stop risking in, in every game with the starting 11. And I wanted to bring that comment up because we've seen now with Michel, he, we, uh, he either starts the game pretty well and surprises us with whatever he comes out with his 11 or it starts, starts off extremely poor and then his subs have to make up, but it's not, we don't usually get something that starts strong and finish strong with him. It either starts strong and finishes terribly with the subs or it starts terribly and then finishes strong with the subs. It was the exact opposite against Karabag. Well, it started off well, despite everything that we saw, but then today it was pretty bad to start. And then he made some changes a formation change as well, and things then started to look pretty good. How, how do you guys see that with, with Michel, just just in terms of how he's starting the games and, and then adjusting during the games? Costa. 
Well, it's definitely something on the mind because if you strictly look at the formations he's picked in the three games he's taken charge of, the first game against Atromitos, he started with a 4-4-2 with El Arabi and Bakambu up front. Pep Biel didn't play at all in that game, so it was a it was a 4-4-2 in that game. In his second game against Karabag, he picked a 5-3-2 formation i don't care what anyone says it was a 5-2-1-2 5-3-2 formation that he played against karabag and then today he seemingly goes out with a 4-3-3 and starts agibu kamara as well so <laughs> as much as we've talked about the need to reduce the squad and find a, a select group of players 15 16 players that will be the main rotation of the team that that we want to build it's been different every game and yes he has different players to pick from for greek games and for european games but um but like you said it's kind of bringing some early inconsistency and on on the one hand you can say but on the other you i can understand some fans are just simply worried that he, he, he can't quite figure out what he wants to do. How does he want to play? And he keeps chopping and changing every game. And you just want him to try and settle into into something, especially now that Europe just seems gone. Yeah? Maybe if we're lucky, we get to the game against Nantes at the end of the group and Nantes haven't picked up any points. And you can already sense the talk in Greece that, you know, forget Europe, it's all about the league. So, okay, if it's all about the league, then figure out what your best starting eleven is and figure out what formation you want to play quick. Um, I'll, I'll stop there. There's more to say, but as a first kind of response on the issue of formation, he doesn't, it's clear, he doesn't know what he wants. There's a lot of injuries, fair enough. A lot of players that were out. We saw the makeshift defence in the last game and today that's the only kind of caveat i would i would put in in that respect but still you can see the guys making different choices from the last manager players like conrad de la fuente josh bowler not in the mix you know not even on the squad today we can we can get into it more marcial what do you think well i kind of agree with costa because i think it those games are, they look like to me, like uh, the, the friendly we play in the summer. Like we see one lineup in the first half and it changes like two or three players at half time, and all the two player maybe around one hour of playing. So he's trying to figure out which uh, team he wants to see every, ga every game, but he also has to play in Europe. So it's very. I think it's a very difficult task for Mitchell right now because you have players that being injured. You have like Versalico not being able to play at the last minute. Uh, you can't. You can't use Bakambu. You can't use James in Europe. Marcelo is not fully ready yet. So when you mix that up, I, I wouldn't know myself which team I would pick because it depends on which team you are playing against. And at the end of it, I think Mitchell relies on uh, individual quality, uh, on players that wins game for you. Like Valbuena did when he came in with the free kick. 
what Bakambu did with uh, his header. This is what Olympiacos needs right now. And this is what I'm not surprised to see Bowler or De La Fuente out of the list because they don't have this for the moment. And given the situation in which Olympiacos is right now, I don't see room for those players. Compared to Gary Rodriguez, for example, even if he pisses us off with his injuries, you can see that he can finish sometimes. Today, I think it it was okay, more than okay, maybe. I'm I'm in agreement with you, and uh, there were there is a couple of player comments here regarding Ndoy and um, uh, and of course uh, Bowler. We you saw the comment from Nolan Lindner Fox about Bowler, and with Ndoy, I just want to remind I just want to remind you guys. I just want to put this out there. So Ndoy was playing out of position. He is a defensive midfielder. That's his profile, and he was playing as a center back. So. He was he was playing out of position, nineteen years old, and the 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 own goal was a, it was a mistake. It was a little bit of a mistake. Hard to blame him too much. Maybe you can blame a bad deflection on him uh, for for the for the own goal. But outside of that, if you look at what he did on the field, he outside of one that I can think of, he won every. Uh, situation where he closed a player down. He did get, there was a, a a break where it looks like he, I think he mistimed the offside trap and he almost got beat there. Um, but other than that, I don't think he never got dribbled past uh, outside of that one play. I can't think of another time he, he got beat badly, I should say. So I, all things considered, the own goal looks bad, and that's what most people are going to look at. But I don't think he had a poor game overall. I think the kid. I think the kid. You know, this is tough, and this is going to probably do a number on him. You know, mentally wise. Uh, but I think. I think that. I think that he, going forward, ha- ha- can grow. He's not a center back by trade. Again, I'm going to put that out there. He's a midfielder that was playing center back. So I'm going just going to put that out there. And then regarding Bowler, Martial already touched on that uh, a little bit. But Bowler, guys, seeing what you've seen with Michelle, with what you remember from Michelle Ball, Bowler is like Vladimir Weiss 2.0. He likes to dribble, likes to take a player on, but makes some questionable decisions when he releases the ball. He's Vladimir Weiss 2.0, and you saw how that worked the first time around. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he doesn't rate Bowler. That's me personally. But what... What are your guys' opinions regarding Adoy? Is this is it over for him now, or do you think that he still has something to to offer? I, I was doing the ratings at the same time, and I I just wrote that Adoy to me uh, has tremendous uh, physical abilities. Uh, yeah. I remember a play when he won back the ball inside the area of Olympiakos, and then he won a fall uh, because I think he can read. He can reach the game nicely, and also he, ha- he has a physical, a very powerful physical uh, uh, body or technique. So this is why he's a midfielder, I would say, because he, con- uh, unlike Sorlis, for example, you can see that if you throw Endoy into an European game, at least he won't get destroyed with his body. So he needs to probably develop everything that comes around this but 
this is not very common in Greece to see players like that uh, popping from the B team. Like you see the body of this player and you see, okay, he's, he's, he's just 19, but he's, he's like an adult to me. Like, I don't know if, it, if it's clear what I want to say, but he looks like a ready player to me. Costa? Yeah, physically at age 19, when you look at him standing up against the uh, the other players, can't really tell the difference. I mean, I think I think that's what Marshall was trying to say in terms of his physical readiness to play at this level, no less in the Greek Super League. So, I mean, I was very surprised. I think as surprised as we all were, nobody was expecting to see Andreas Doi number what was he 40 74 number 74 yeah. starting in the starting lineup today alongside Socrates at center back so on the one hand when i saw that because we we knew him from the b team i think we we talked about him before and you know he has physical traits and he's a player that should get a chance i'm so in that respect i'm happy i'm always happy when i see an academy player playing for the first team so, you know, the fact that he was out of position, I think he he got exposed in the first minutes of the game when we didn't get the offside line right. You know, he did everything he could to get back and put pressure on Guerrero. And maybe that's why Guerrero made a poor finish because the pressure. Uh, but but overall, I mean, yeah, he was on for a half and he, he got a yellow card. I remember the incident you know, Marshall mentions where he wins back the ball in the penalty box and then he kind of dinks the ball over the defender and then gets tripped and wins a free kick. You know, that's like something you see an experienced player do, not a 19-year-old defensive midfielder playing out of position at centre-back that's playing his way out of trouble. You know, that's a risky thing to do, but he, had, he did it very confidently, won the free kick. And just, you know, he did... He's a player you want to see again. It's a player that you want to see playing in his position. So I think in the end, he got he got subbed off at halftime because he had the yellow. And uh, and I think that was more it than it was him scoring the, the own goal. I think it was because he had the yellow and thought, OK, we need to take him off, protect him. And I think that's that's why he got subbed off. So that's what I have to say about about Doi, and I, I hope we see him again in his position. Um, so if he's <laughs> if he is listening, uh, chin up, man! Like uh, congratulations for your debut, and hope to see you again in the in the first team very soon. Yep, and you do like to see that. Uh, we've seen now, uh, you know, more Greeks at least since Michel has arrived. Uh, if you just look at the games in Greece, Atromiros and today, we've been four Greeks have been starting in every game, at least, uh, which is more than at least under Gorberan. And then under Pedro Martins, we were seeing less and less Greek starting as well. So it is, there is, it's like a, I guess, a very small, very thin silver lining there. But um, you do, you do like to see that. And kind of backpedaling now a little bit, kind of talking more on the game itself. It was yet another case of a tale of two halves, except this time, instead of the game against Karabag, where it was a great first half and a not-so-good second half, or not-so-good after 65 minutes, we should say, 
this game was very much uh, a, a bad, a, a terrible first half, in, in my opinion, with a much better second half. And how did you guys see the difference between those? Uh, formation change, certain player changes. What what made it so difficult for us to do anything in the first half versus what made things so much better in the second half? Marcia, I'll let you start off with this. Well, I, I would say, uh, I remember Costa, I said, said that to us uh, in the chat, like, uh, in Bayern looked like, looked like uh, diminished physically, like he wasn't uh, as good as we saw him play before. And against a team like Hofi, you needed a, a midfielder that could with one pass, like James did when he came in, like just broke two or three lines, like broke the whole defense apart and we needed more verticality maybe on on the game and this is what Mitchell corrected with his change I guess and uh, I think this is what explained the difference and also I think the Agibu with M. Villa and James in the midfield could be uh, a nice option for us because I'm still believing in the Agibu in this position of an eight because he wins so many balls in the midfield. He runs everywhere. He won the ball uh, before the, the equalizer for, from Rodriguez. And he, he just needs to be paired with a midfielder that knows with one pass to find Bakambu up front because Bakambu is uh, very power, powerful and quick. And what Gary Rodriguez did Bakambu can do it also, and this is. I think we will we will win games with that, and this is. I it makes me optimistic, uh, saying that because, I think uh, Mitchell is trying to find duos on this team, like which midfielder can be paired with another, which winger can be paired with the midfielder. Uh, I, I think the the striker situation is settled by now because Bakambu is the main option, but. Is trying to. I think coaches works by duos like midfielders, uh, fullbacks, centre backs, and Mitchell is trying to find some answers and probably find a few of them uh, today in the second half. Costa. Yeah, I I agree with Marshall with regards to Agibu. I think uh, I think the first 15, 20 minutes he must have made like four or five interceptions or like steals. Um, so he was really good at winning the ball back today. And I'll be interested when when you look at the data, Ari, if you look at his data, I reckon he's got he's got close to seven, eight, maybe more interceptions. Ball recovery is definitely over 10. Let's see. Let's see tomorrow when when we when we post out some some stat cards, but I thought he was impressive in terms of his ball willing ability in midfield. Interesting comment about the duos in, in the centre of the park as well, because I think most Olympiagos fans, you'll ask them, what's our, who, who are our two central midfielders today? I'd probably say the two best are Jan Mvila and Inbom uh, Juan would be your two starting midfielders. Um, I think there's a serious case now for Agibu Camara playing a more prominent role in the league, even giving Huang some rest 
uh, if Hamez is fit and able to play in front of them. The one thing that that worries me a little bit is um, is the way we use Pep Biel, because I think he's a player that that needs freedom to move around the park and express himself. I think when he's starting his actions from the wings, whether it's on the left, on the right, you get you just don't get close to the you know 100 of his ability. You're not using him in the best way possible. And and that worries me because we you know we've got Hammers, we've got Biel, um, there's there's Valbuena, there's uh, Fortunis if when he comes back. So I mean there's lots of games of course, and everyone will be called in called on to to play a part this season. But I do worry a little bit about the efficiency at which we use Biel and where we use him. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what your original question was again, mate. Sorry. No, yeah, that's that. that you, you did. You touched on it. It, it my, my question was more on what you the guys changes. Thought. Yeah, the changes. Why ah. things seem so difficult in that first half versus why things started to, to – why things turned out better for us in the second yeah. half. And you did. You touched on that. Now, for me at least, the – the reason that I saw kind of relates to something we've discussed, not necessarily in the last couple of shows, but a theme that we've touched upon and it's regarding ball playing center backs, because there were two changes that were made at halftime. And those two changes were the, um, the Rodriguez's. Uh, I've just now noticed realizing now it was like Rodriguez squared that came in, in the second half for Ndoy and for, uh, Yorgos Masuras. Now, Masuras was very frustrating for a lot of people because Masuras is Masuras. He doesn't beat people one on one. You guys saw the 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 very nice profile that Patrick had done on Masuras. That kind of showed that he's he's definitely not a winger. He's like a forward playing out wide, and he's only valuable and functional to us if he can get runs in behind the defenders and shots inside the box. When we can't do that, when we can't open him or get him. Um, playing in that manner, he's not very good for us. But what the changes did, aside from bringing on Gary Rodriguez, who was dangerous almost every time he had the ball, and James Rodriguez, who had a couple of lovely balls, especially he might have missed the penalty, but that lovely assist he played through to Gary, I mean, that was just threading a needle there. But something else that happened was Jan Vila was playing functionally further back as a result of us losing a center back acting again, as if he's a, a center back and I'm almost because of the state of things as they are now and the center backs that we've had and how they're getting hurt and the inconsistency, I'm almost finding myself actually preferring that because Yanavila can spread the ball so well. And he's been, he's been amazing in the back. Anytime he's been called to, I mean, you guys remember in Karabag in that first half, he was a hero stopping, stopping things when he would, when he would come back to assist. So it's, sh- it just, for me, I saw more of a difference of having somebody sitting very, very deep on the defensive line that can actually play the ball out. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but that's what I saw. And it just shows me how reliant this team is now because of our previous successes on having somebody that can play the ball that well out of the back. I don't know how you guys saw that. This is, uh, 
why the Red Sox injury is a bad news because out of the center backs we have on the squad is probably the only one that knows or wants to uh, play nicely from the back, like with uh, I don't know, like uh, ground passes and stuff like that. Even Bar tried to do that, tries to do that, but his handing project is not that good and. This is also an area where, where the club needs to evolve. Like you, when when you see another club in Europe looking for a defender nowadays, the main quality that say that is required is someone good with his feet, like as you said. And this is why Envilla going for, uh, deeper, not further on the on the the pitch could be a solution in Greece because. It it just speeds the, the 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 team, and with if you you had these two wingers like Gary or I don't know James with one pass that can find Bakambu, it can change everything compared to Cisse and Ba or Cisse and Socrates and I, I I don't know which other pair of centre backs, but it could be a very good solution, and I think it will be a solution, at least in the Greek league. Costa? I think we were to an extent seeing a little bit of this under Corberan in a sense that you know he was he was the six but he was dropping back in between the center backs bringing the ball out helping to get the play started he was the quarterback if you will so he was playing in and around that area already and we saw Yanin Villa was very prominent under under Corbran in his in his system got a lot of touches sprayed the ball around and now you know the first game with Mitchell in a 442 is playing much more forward and you know in front of the halfway line and you're not really used to seeing him there you're used to seeing him behind the semicircle getting the first ball and putting his head up and seeing and make a switch or just play the board in between the lines. So um, for me, the jury's out um, in terms of the question, you know, should he be playing at centre-back? It really depends if you're playing like four at the back formation if you're, or if you're playing a three for me. And if you're playing a three, there is a transition from a three-man defence to, you know, his role and where he is in 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 the in the grander scheme of play because the the three can switch to a four at the back depending on the the scenario at play during the game so i think if it's a four at the back for me is not really where i want him but um but yeah i mean we do need a ball playing center back we talked about it a lot last season what did we lose when Semedo left, when we didn't have him anymore? He could have the ball at his feet and run through defenders. And sometimes his overconfidence got us into trouble. That was the thing with Semedo, but none of our centre-backs can do that as well as he did. Maybe Rezos, who's very, you know, he's got this elegance about him. He's, his head's up when he has the ball, like he's looking up how to get the ball forward, how he can penetrate even sometimes. Um, can Aretos really be an option for us this season? He's already injured. Uh, no news about when he's coming back. 
uh, that's um, it's an, it's another one of those ifs this season. Um, so I think I've answered the question. There is there is one other thing going back to your point about first half, second half changes, and so on and so forth. Nikos Njoblias, the Offi coach, said something that really caught my attention at the end of the game. He said that the reason Offi, one of the reasons Offi lost the game was because Offi has really bad, uh, really bad fitness levels. He said that he felt like um, he felt like he was still finishing pre-season with Offi in September, and that Olympiacos had finished their pre-season in June, July. Well, I think he's miss. He's misinterpreting or he's not really reflecting the reality of our situation as well, which is quite similar to his, you know, in terms of where off he is fitness-wise. But he said that Olympiacos won the game because they were fitter than us. <laughs> and I just think that needs to be said. Uh, yeah, that, that mm, I, I just wanted to say that. Um, and there is another comment, just quite a few people have mentioned this today. Samaseku. Um, guys, did Samaseku come in after Mitchell was appointed or before? I have a before, feeling before. it was. Was it before? It was before. He was the last of the deadline, the the transfer, the deadline transfer deadline signings. I did, and he came in because he came in before the um, the game that Corbaran got fired in. Had, I, don't know, I don't. I don't know if we're ever going to see this guy play. <laughs> uh, look, no, I never no. did a. I never did a deep dive on him, and yeah. I had people that kept asking me and DMing me when it was coming out. Guys, there were so many of them. I. I. I, I wasn't going to do it. Other words, sorry. Him and Hamas. I, I have. I have watched so much film over the summer. It's awful. Almost got to our limit with Y Scout. But anyway, you. You know why? I, I, you know why I mentioned that. Because yeah. there's a funny story, right? He wasn't in the squad yesterday. No. The squad that was published, the squad list, he wasn't on it. And and then there, there was an article last night, or I think Godsis or another journalist, they said Samaseku's injured, that's why he didn't travel to to to, to Crete. And then Today we find Today. out just before the kickoff that Samaseku's gone out to Crete. So like, what happened? Did they fly him out on the wing or in the cargo, or did he start swimming from from <laughs> from Athens down to Crete? Like, how did you know? I don't know what happened there, but but he didn't get any time today. He was on the bench, and and you know the Agibu thing as well. It's like if if Mitchell likes Agibu. Is he going to give time to a loan player that we've bought in with an option of 14 million? Probably not. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't, I, I, so. I, I, I don't know. And we haven't seen this guy play yet. I just I wanted to address so. that because it was in the comments as well. Yeah, there's also been a couple of comments. I'll address this real quick. Um, uh, this one from uh, Dennis TSN. Uh, why was Leidner not included when we only had three non-regional players? And, uh, Dinus, what I'm going to tell you is that, remember, after the international break, uh, for those of you that were maybe watched the Israel game or didn't, he came off with an injury. So the uh, if I remember correctly, there was, uh, I don't remember if it was Gazeta or a Todeca article talking about him being available 
for the bulk game. But I'm going to assume that that was injury-based, at least this recent period. I can't speak to before that, before the international break, but w- when Corberan was in charge, I, God knows what the problem was there. Maybe he wasn't rated. Maybe he had – I couldn't tell you. But for the international break, he carried an injury afterwards. So perhaps that's why Michel hasn't used him. So – um you know the the passport that we there they keep saying is coming. Not that it matters, but um, he should be uh, hopefully available at least for the bulk game. He was carrying an injury after the international break, uh, and that's at, at very least as far as that's uh, as far as that's concerned. Look at my eyes, DC. I, I, I like this comment. It's October 9th. We have four left backs and we still only see Rebchuk. Uh, well, I mean, Marcelo doesn't exactly look like he can run that much for that often, to be fair. He looked a bit better today, but that's just because the Greek league is way slow. Everything slows down so it's much. much slower he looked yeah. a bit faster. He's like, oh, he looks a bit, he looks a bit livelier today than he did I against Karabag. But anyway... He's yeah. not even replacing Oleg when he came in. So no, he looked. It, it looked like a. It looked like a three-four-three, three, or again, it looked like Oleg was kind of tucking in, and he was the left uh-huh. centre back, and Marcelo was kind of giving the option on the left. But then you saw Marcelo was quite in as well on on the field, so it wasn't really wasn't really clear like what his role is or what his position is on the pitch yeah uh that doesn't surprise me though we kind of joked about uh marcelo being used well that was when corbaran was still coach marcelo being used in that elevated wing back situation not as you know not in a traditional back four and to be honest until i see him (laughs) look a little bit better in shape i'm not sure i would trust him in another role anyway uh but that's just me personally. Uh, Costa, actually, I wanted to touch on uh, BL because uh, you brought uh, you made some comments before about concern about BLs not being used in the right way out on the wing. Uh, we talked about, and this was, of course, after the deep dive talking about BL, and we kept saying that we hope we don't play him on the wing because of because of how how much better he is, whether it's a false nine or as a ten. That's where all of his success came in Denmark. But now here we are playing him on the right wing. And in a game like today, he's probably he probably got maybe 30 touches. And you've seen how good this guy is, how good his touch is. So many dangerous opportunities he can get when he gets a shot almost anywhere in front of goal. And it really, I don't know, seeing him out on the wing really annoyed the crap out of me today. Because this is a guy that I want to see behind the striker, especially behind a striker like Bakambu, somebody that can feed him very well. So, Martial, uh, I want your opinion as well on this. But for me, I was I was kind of frustrated seeing him on the wing. And I know that we're going to continue to see that, and it's going to continue to frustrate me because if we're talking about areas where he's the most useful, it's, for me, it was behind the striker as a 10, then as a false nine, and then as a winger. So, I don't know. Uh, it annoyed the crap out of me today. How about you? Yeah, me too, because with, with a left 
left foot like that, it's a threat for the other team. Like every every time he has the ball, because he has some magic on his feet. And I re- I recall the ball he gave to Masuras, and then Masuras gave it to Bakambu for the, the the probably the first situation we had. And this is what p- players like Bill can get you. Like just one cross, one one passes, one inspiration he could have to find a solution. And I'm frustrated to see him on the wing. Uh, but also, it raised another question: uh, which which was the last players, the last player that played good for Olympiakos as a ten? Like I I, I, I do have the impression this is a an issue we we've been having since like two or three three season uh, players that came uh, with a ten profile and it ended up uh, being deception like. I don't. Re- uh, I can say, for example, uh, Carvalho, uh, Thiago Silva, those kind of player. Like you don't really know in which position they can play, and we keep bringing players that that are supposed to be ten before we get Scarpa in January, and I think probably for Fortunis before getting injured was probably the last player that easily easily that could be the the ten. But since then, we have we have been so many issues to find another one, and I think it's because maybe this position does not really exist in the football anymore, not yeah. like before. Yeah, here this is an interesting question. A couple people have brought this up, uh, but the most the most recent one that I from here is TF ninety one. Do you think BL as a ten and Hamis as the winger would be better instead of the reverse, where Hamis was kind of sitting more central? And and BL was out wide, and I actually do like that because James could play a little bit further out. I I would pre- I would prefer to see that personally, and see how it works. I would I wouldn't mind seeing that. I just I don't know. I I just see I just see it as a waste. You know what I mean? And and I I think I understand why it's happening because. As a coach, you you have to measure like, okay, you know what? This guy produces a certain amount, right? You have a certain amount of production from somebody here. And yeah, okay, maybe out of position, he doesn't produce as well. But if he produces more out of position than some of your other options, then, and you have another good option that can play where he plays too, instead of losing both of those options to have more of your best players on the field, you make one play slightly out of position. And I get that because it's not like we have the best winger production out of the team this season. But I would, I would like, I would like to see him flip flop that and maybe see Hamas out wide and see what happens. Um, or maybe, or maybe put BL center and play Valbuena out wide. Um, that's another, that's another player I want to address after this. But what do you guys think about that? Marcial, go ahead. I, I just want to add something on that because you said something that looks interesting to me before uh, when you were speaking about Masuras. And maybe, uh, I don't know how to say that, but Masuras playing as a 10, that probably would allow him to be closer to the striker in the most central position. And I, I won't say he has the same abilities as Fortunis, but Fortunis, before he got injured, he was able to pass and to score a lot. 
which Masuras did under the last season, but maybe it just can't be on the wing because it's it, it just can't pass player in one versus one, as you said. And I'm I agree with the comment I just saw, like Masuras as a first 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 nine, sorry. And maybe this 10 position uh, in the 4-2-3-1 or in the 4-3-3 could turn into a first man position used by Masuras. Maybe in those games, like against Ofi, I'm not saying that for the big games of the, of the Super League or in, the, in Europe, but Masuras' main abilities to me are, has, has to be used uh, in the central position because on the wing is not the fastest player is not the most gifted players when you come to dribble compared to Bowler maybe or to even De La Fuente. So maybe why not using him as uh, a fast nine? But it's just another solution because we already have James, we already have Pep Beal. I don't, I don't see Masuras topping those players. Costa, how would you feel about that? No, in the end, it, it boils down to what uh, what Marshall said you don't you don't take Pep Bio out of the team to put Masuras in as a as a false nine. But I think the discussion about Masuras there is kind of similar to the one that we had about uh, Bacasetas in the national team, uh, where you know Bacasetas was employed really as a ten by by JVS, and now he plays a little bit further up, and that's you know. That's what he is. Like he's a second striker. He likes to get the ball and shoot. He's got a cannon of a shot. He scores goals. He's quite. He's a clever player. It's similar with Masuras. And the thing about Masuras, we've said it before on the show, he's a player that fits in a team. Olympiagos isn't a team. Olympiagos is a, a group of individuals right now. And, 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 that's what, you know, what won us the game today was two moments of individual brilliance. One moment where Hammers gets the ball in midfield after a pickup, after an interception, and he plays the, um, he does a no-look pass, and it splits two lines of defence, and then Gary Rodriguez scores his first away goal for Olympiagos with a one-touch finish. Great finish. And it, it, it's it's that moment of brilliance from Rodriguez that, equ- that gets us the equaliser. And then the winner, it's it's a moment where Valbuena picks out a peach of a cross and, and Bakambu is, is, is not marked in the box and he finishes. And that's it. So, again, my point is Masuras fits in a well-oiled functioning machine. He fits and he can perform in a proper team. But right now, the reason why we see Masuras scoring for the national team and not really performing for Olympiagos is that, for you know, as... As much as we might not think much of our national team, our national team is more of a team than Olympiacos is right now. So Masuras plays his role in the national team and he scores goals. But for Olympiacos right now, it's very difficult for Masuras because Masuras is being asked to do things that he can't really do. 
things that we don't really expect from him game in, game out. What do you expect from Masuras? You expect Masuras to fight, to run, to track back and defend, to make diagonal runs off the ball, to get in on the far post if somebody's making a cross, uh, to get in on a rebound, uh, a one-touch finish. Those are the kinds of things that, that you want Masuras. Those are the kinds of things that you expect of Masuras. It feels like what Olympiacos fans expect from Masuras today are things that what Pedense was doing or what Miralaz was doing. We expect him to pick up the ball on the byline and run at people and cut inside or like go on go on the inside and provide a cross or you know shoot from 25 yards after a cut-in. Nah, that's not what Yorgos Masuras does. So voila, my big rant about Masuras for you. No, I'm I'm with you there. And uh, before I share my thoughts on Masuras, uh, real quick again, guys, uh, more people jumping in in the chat, uh, more people getting engaging with us. So for those of you that are just joining, if you haven't done so already, like and subscribe. Help us continue to grow this community. Like we said, the sooner we get to 3K subs, the sooner we get another giveaway. So hit that like and subscribe button and ring the bell if you want to be notified anytime we go live and anytime anything drops on the channel. Now, I, I do want to remind everybody also something that we had said about Masuras before. Uh, prior to last season, everybody we talked to about Masuras, everyone always said Masuras is a great squad player. I love to have him. He's a system guy, but he's a great squad player. That's what everybody we spoke to said about Masuras. Come last season now, and Masuras goes on these tears. He would have like a couple months where it felt like he was scoring or assisting almost every game. So that starts happening, and it elevated certain people's expectation. Remember, guys, and we can pull up the charts uh, again. I have to go find them. Uh, Masuras was our leading non-penalty goal contributor last season. I'm going to repeat that. Leading non-penalty goal contributor per 90 minutes last season. Leading an XG non-penalty uh, X goal contribution as well. So Masuras started to elevate people's expectations. And that's because in the system that he played in, it worked well. He would run, he would get in behind people. And the context was almost the same almost every time he scored. Get in a run behind the defender, get an opportunity in the box, and he would score. Uh, and that was those were the times he could keep things on frame. So I think part of that elevated certain people's expectation. Then add to that the nonsense that has occurred over the summer with the bad training, the bad offseason, and now the shape that the team is in now. And it's just leaving more and more people upset with him because of what they saw last season from him and expecting him to carry that forward now when the situation is completely different. I don't know how you feel about that, uh, but that's how I see it with regards to Masuras. I see a player that people got elevated expectations because a few months out of last season, he was in form, scoring a lot, contributing a lot in a team that was on the downturn, a team that wasn't playing well overall, but scoring goals and finding results. And I also think that Greek fans, Olympiakos fans, any fan will say, any Greek fan of any Super League team, we tend to be a lot more 
critical of Greek players. So I also think that has something to do with it, uh, uh, you know, uh, in general. But that's just that's just how I look at the whole uh, Masuda situation, at the very least. But he's another, just yet another player that we have, yet another systems player that's a victim of the lack of the system that we have. That's how I look at it. Well, I kind of agree with you, but I also agree a lot with uh, one comment I saw uh, from Super Nerd Sawyer uh, saying that Masuras had had to be sold at his peak. And I think same applies for probably four or five players on this team right now because uh, Masuras, to me, he went further from my expectation for him because he was coming from Panionios. Uh, he was a good Super League player, but I would have never expected him to be that good and that efficient for Olympiakos. But this is the kind of player sometimes you need to cash on and replace with another newcomer. And same applies for Buhalakis, for example, for Cissé, for Ba for a lot of players that stay too long on this team. And I think it just can't fulfill any more expectation because uh, it would mean if he's doing better than what he did last season or the past season, it would mean being a, a, probably a good European player. And I don't think it, it, will, it will reach this level uh, in the future. So I'm not expecting that much from Masuras, but... He, he basically has no competition on this team. So unless he got injured, he gets injured, which won't happen because I think he's, very, he's a very reliable player in terms of physics. But I don't have any more expectation from him to fulfill, unfortunately, unless winning another title with Olympiacos. But that's all. I'm with you there. I'm with you there, Martial. And uh, before before we move on to uh, Man of the Match coaches, great. We're coming up on an hour here, guys. Uh, there's one more player I wanted to address before we moved into that and we start to wrap things up, and that's Gonzalo Avila. Gonzalo Avila left with an injury. It looked like maybe he uh, pulled something. I saw him grab grabbing what looked like his hammy uh, or his hamstring, and. Uh, so what what do you make of that? Because Gonzalo Avila is a, he's another player, a guy that came in, a, a rotation, a squad guy under Corbeton that has become a very important part of this team now. Not just because of the lack of right backs, what you know, Vasalico being injured half the time and not being available all the time, but also because he actually can get forward quite well. Now he's injured. Hopefully he comes back because I don't know what we're gonna do in. Europe otherwise how, how do you guys how have you guys seen that uh, this game maybe notwithstanding but are you are you worried about that injury at all Oof. Um, do you know what I almost completely forgot that he came off injured today uh, and now that you mentioned it yeah I am very worried because I think it's <laughs> And this is just coming out of me right now spontaneously, but I think he's been the best signing we've made all summer. He's <laughs> yeah. it, 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 just one of those players that you just weren't expecting at all. I mean, he's come in as a 
as a backup option and he's given us more than we could have expected so far. He gives us width, he gives us uh, movement going forward, he stretches the field, overlaps. It's kind of what you and I talked about, Ari, when you were doing the deep dives. You expected Avila to come in and play in the Greek league and give Vasalko his rest for when Vasalko would play in Europe. Huh? That was the plan, but now he's the starting right back and now he's injured. I hope it's not a serious one. But yeah, I think I think I kind of talked about this a little bit in um during the last show about Avila, like what we expected, what his role was supposed to be when he came and what it is now. I think they're two completely different things. Marcial? Well, I totally agree with Costa. Uh, I think I said that uh, probably in how chat saying that at the end of it, it, it will be the, the newcomer that probably will play the most uh, un un until the World Cup break. And also what worries me the most is who is going to replace him in Europe if Versalico is injured too. Uh, that's a real question because I'm not sure if Rusai is on the list. And I'm not sure Andrutos is on the list too. So who's going to, who's going to play as a right back if he's injured? Do you, uh, does anyone want to read this comment? <laughs> super nerd Sawyer. <laughs> I, I hope Pipa comes back for all of our rivals too. <laughs> oh God, it never gets old. It never gets old. Well, look, we'll see what happens. We'll keep up with the we'll keep up with the injury reports. Uh, but I was definitely I was definitely pleasantly surprised by Avila. Look, I expected the his ability going forward. I saw it with the tape. I watched at Huddersfield. He is, everyone has seen it though. He is kind of suspect on defense, not just when he gets caught farther forward. He's just not the best defender, but right now we don't have any, it's not like we have anything better and that's the problem. So I, I, I this comment, so again, super nerd, era de costa, zero effectiveness, yeah, there's a little bit of that, but not, not entirely zero effect in terms of zero effectiveness. Yeah. I have plenty of stats that would tell you otherwise. Whether that whether that speaks more about the team than Avila is something else. That's entirely. the thing, though, right? It's like you see the difference when Vasalko's on the pitch in terms of where he's seeing action on the pitch. When Avila gets the ball, he's in the opposition half. Right. He's making runs. He's making inroads. He's on the byline. He's playing one-twos. When Vasalko's got the ball a lot of the time, it's in our own half. It's not in front of the halfway line. It's kind of like a, a Rafinha versus El Abdelawi discussion. It's like, where was Rafinha getting his touches? A lot of it was behind the halfway line. Though, I don't know, that's kind of a rough comparison that I'm making here. But it's really, yeah, he, he's not... He's not making amazing crosses or like yeah people talk about the the flick that he did in the Carabag game but it's like yeah it's not there's no goals or assists in that sense agreed about effectiveness or final product but 
at this stage right now, it's about where on the pitch is he getting the ball and what is he offering us in terms of how the team plays? Because you need you need Olympiacos to have the ball in the opponent's half, not passing it around our half and then getting pressed and losing the ball. So that's what I mean when I talk about Avila and him giving us a lot. Right. No, and I agree with you 100% because when when you have a, a wing back like that that does all those overlaps, he pulls the defenders with him as well. And that's what we need. If if I have one critique about Avila in the offensive part, which is the part of the game that he that brings value for him, and it's that sometimes I think he dribbles it too much. But aside from that, because you know, the Carabag game is is an instance, uh, even today, uh, a, a handful of occasions before he got hurt. But that that would really be it because we need that, especially in Greece, we need that overlapping ability to pull those defenders away. So the the Versalico signing, I, I'm going to say this again, um, Versalico is for me was a lot more like uh, a Torosidis type of player uh, in that he's d- defense first, and if he gets forward, it's just more physical. But it, he can't stay healthy, and we don't see a lot of that right now. Um, so it's uh, it's tough for me. But um, if you guys had any other thoughts about Avila, um, I just wanted to touch on him briefly before we got into man of the match and uh, coach's grade. But uh, uh, I, I think um, Marshall Marshall's going to drop out because he's got a cold, <laughs> not feeling very well. But um, but mate, thanks for coming on and sharing your views with us and and uh, keeping us company. Uh, I, I, I hope you will mention how important Valbuena is to this club because it was another proof we got today and I just want people to stop talking about the fact that he's 38, 38 years old and I, I saw a comment and it will be my last word but I saw a very interesting comment at the beginning of the show saying that we should play Valbuena because we have five, we have five subs now so who cares if he's tired at the end of the game? You just can't not use his quality, especially on those Super League games you, you have to win at all costs. And it will be my last word, but I'm so glad to have a player like that in the club. And if only half of the squad could, ha- could have his passion for the club and his passion for football in a whole we would be in a very better position right now. Um, that's all. Amen. Amen. Well I, I, have a, I have a recommendation for you before you go. So before you go to bed, um, make some hot tea. And that's not the best part. Get some whiskey and put a shot of, put a shot of whiskey in the tea. Uh, squeeze a lemon into it and some honey and mix it all together and drink that. And you'll sleep very well. And okay. I promise you, your throat will feel much better in the morning too. That's <laughs> what we call a hot toddy in English. Anyone else who's suffering as well. Yeah, I will try it. I'll try it and see you tomorrow. Feel better, man. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Take care, Marcel. Thank, thank you for joining. So, Costa, Allez. before we do Man of the Match coaches grade, did you have anything else you yeah, wanted to bring up? Yeah, yeah so I just want to make sure we've 
picked up on most of the questions here. Um, just to clarify to our friend Hussein, where is Lala? He says, is he coming back? Uh, so the reports are that Lala had an opportunity to get back into the first team. Apparently, he completely squandered that. And even um, even the newly designated technical director, uh, Jose Anigo, who I think played a role in bringing him over, uh, told, the, told the new manager, forget about him. He's, he's not worth the time. So he's with the B team. If you're going to be playing B team and he's going to be getting paid 800,000 uh, euro to play for the B team. Uh, so there you go. That's the news with um, with Lala. I think we've mentioned pretty much uh, most of the stuff in the chat. Aria, I don't know. There, there are basically... Um, there's one thing I want to talk about, which is the question, Zolakis, Pascal Lakis, because that's coming up in the chat. I do want to address the competition as well. People are talking about Banathanaigos and Aeg. I didn't watch the Panathinaikos game. I know they won again with a penalty. Um, uh, Ayek won. I saw it was 2-0 before the, the last time I looked. So that's a comfortable win away from home against uh, against Aris. Uh, Levi Garcia is play, being employed as a, as a striker next to Araujo. I think that's very interesting. And I think he scored again today from Araujo assist. Uh, I, I'll say one thing about Panathinaikos and Ayek and that is that they have um they have they found or they seem to have found their core group of players they they seem to be playing as as teams not playing particularly attractive football but when you have um good atmosphere in the dressing room uh, an identified uh, core group of players that are winning matches then you've got a good thing going uh, and Banathanagos are now, what is it? I think it's seven wins on the trot. It's still seven points ahead. Um, and we play Balk next week. And I think it's, yeah, and before that, we've got Carabag, of course. Uh, <laughs> and that's something to talk about, Ari. Like, how do we, I think we're going to get a big message sent on Thursday that, the league is the priority Be and i'm sorry but if i had to make a choice now and you know think about my setup i would definitely be thinking about i need to preserve certain players for the bulk game because we need to win that we're playing at home it's the first derby of the season we've got to win it we've got to keep it going in greece that's two wins on the row we have to make it three. And if that means going with a less of a strong side or a weaker side against Karabag, doesn't matter to me. The priority for me is the bulk game, not the game against Karabag in the on Thursday. I'm I'm with you there, man. Uh now regarding the regarding the we'll say the the league as it stands, right? So Panathinaikos, outside of the okay, the der the the Balk Derby that they um, they they got out of the skin of their teeth, they haven't had the most difficult schedule. Now they do have the next three match weeks. I, I yeah, the next three match weeks it's pretty difficult. 
next week they have their 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 boogie team. They have La Mia, and they're playing La Mia away. That's been a, a difficult one for them um, for the last for years. Then they have uh, after that they have I think it's Volos, and Volos has been a a tough cookie in general. Yeah, um, they're inconsistent. Team. But they're they they have a good team. They have uh and they still have Fernandez at least until the winter. That's uh beyond me until he goes to Ike. So that'll be another tough one for them. And then they have Adis after that. So uh, TF91, my dad drinks Camomili with Zipporo for his that's his legend. I like that. I like <laughs> that. Legendary. So they have three tough fixtures. Now, of course, it's not like ours are any less. Are, or any less difficult because you know we have of course the big derby we have Bach. uh and then following following Bach, we have uh panetolicos who have been also pretty decent all things considered they're not exactly a pushover and then i think the following week we um we host la mia so our schedule is going to be gen a little bit easier so maybe this is an opportunity but panetolicos is um is reminding me sort of like when when Balk won the the title, um, that invincible season where they were just like even games where they didn't look so good, they just found ways to win. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, the only thing that we can do we we can only control what we can control. So we have to win our games, and this Balk game is really important. In that, I agree with you a hundred percent. This Garaba game, guys, there's we're not catching those top two spots. Our only chance is maybe we beat Nantes in Greece and hopefully Nantes loses the rest of their games. So we beat Nantes and then we take the third spot and go into the Conference League. So I'm with you. I would put a second team out for Karabag in Karabag. I don't think – look, I if you guys saw our betting, our um, uh, the bets that we put in, I bet that we were going to lose. I thought we could at least score points, but I didn't think we were winning that game. I don't think we're getting a point in Garabag either. Unless they drastically underestimate us uh, and maybe play a little bit too high up, maybe we get something, but I don't see us getting a point. So in that, since I'm not expecting a win anyway, I'm playing a second team because I want my starters healthy. Because the, the league is the league is is more important. There's two Champions League spots up for grabs. And at the... Even though I expect Panathinaikos to drop points at some point, we have to play like they're not going to. So we have to win these games. So we'll uh, we'll see we'll see what happens. But I, I'm with you 100. It's the league, and I yeah. think I don't think it's been super subtle the way certain things have been said. Um. And we also with like some of the excuses, like we get prepared, but with excuses early, like the, the Kotsis article before got last time about how, Oh, we have an 11 that can win the league that can't play. You know what I mean? The, so it's, I already, see I, that that's, I, I already see that as like, they're preparing us for that. You know what I mean? So at this point, fine. You know what? Let's save it. Hope not loses. And then we beat not at, in in Karaskaiki, and then hopefully we have conference league football the rest of the season. But that's that's how I see it. The Greek league's more important at this point. Europe, we're, we're not qualifying for the top two spot. That's done, completely done at this point. 
No, but we don't even want to qualify for the top two spots because we know exactly what's going to happen when we, yeah, we, I mean, f forget about it. First place and that's yeah, just yeah. not happening, guys. And then second place, you go and play a Champions League side and then, okay, goodbye. Um, yeah, like you said, the best we can hope for is that it's all uh, all to play for against Nantes in the last game on the 3rd of November. I've got that on my, on my calendar. I'm going to try my best to make it out for that game. Uh, if... Yeah, if we're still in it, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, uh, and last topic before we get to man of the match, coach's grade. Okay, I I talked about this a little bit during the last show. I even put out a long tweet about it. Anybody follows me on Twitter, I'm I'm rather glad that Zolaki's got the call today and he was retained under the sticks because I had a feeling that we were going to do that stupid Greek thing where we were like, yeah, let's protect him. Let's not, yeah, let's put Pascalakis in because he's got, because he's more experienced. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad Zolakis played today. He made a good save. At, at, people didn't notice this, but the, the free kick at the end of the first half, that was going in. And he got his fingertips to that, and the, the referee blew the whistle for, for half time. I only saw it in the replay after they actually yeah, me too. Because uh, I thought it went I thought it went straight out. And there was another save or another couple of saves like that that he made against uh, against Karabakh, where he's just like, you know, he, he has that th those reflexes, you know, where he makes acrobatic like stretch saves. Anyway, um, I, I don't know. Nine saves. He had nine saves in the match week, Europa League, the most of any other keeper. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of shots against him, and not all of those shots were stable, um, right. to, to, to be fair. Um, I, I'll, I, I guess I'll, I'll repeat what, what I've said for those that haven't heard it. I think, I think we made a mistake this summer, not sending him out on loan. Um, that speaks again to the the issues we've had in the backroom decision making, how the squad's been built. This is a 19 year old keeper that, for me, needs to be playing. Um, but I don't think this is the right place for him, especially now. And yeah, the people inside the backroom could argue they never expected things to play out this way this season. That um, would be the argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but I think that it's too much pressure for him to handle, especially right now. Uh, I would love to see this this kid go and play for a, a mid a mid table team in Holland or in Germany or somewhere where he's guaranteed a, a spot where he's playing and he has a full season, and then he can really come back and have the confidence to say, do you know what? Like, I just played in this league and I played the whole season. I did well. I believe in myself. I'm ready to compete for a first team spot at Olympiacos. You just like in the Carabag game, you just like the, the pressure was overwhelming because it was do or die games. Like, okay. This match will basically determine like what happens in terms of our European future and what we're playing for. 
and just it seemed to me like the pressure was a bit too much for him just like a second or a couple of seconds too slow or hesitating to come out uh punching when he should be like firmer don't get me wrong like i think the kid's like super talented um you know there's a reason why milan wanted him when he was 16 years of age but yeah i think we should have loaned him out um having said that what do you do moving forward do you stick with him do you change him i'm glad they stuck with him today and personally i'm ready to stick with him for the rest of the season um i don't know if most fans are, are ready for that and i don't know if olympiacos is ready for that uh that's where i'm at all i'll add to that is if 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 europe if europe is a wash this season let him play let him get the experience so that he's not so he doesn't have the nerves you know what i mean because he does he does sometimes early on in the game before he grows in seem a little nervous the way he comes out and sometimes in the way he goes to get the ball so if if it's a wash and we don't care anyway let him play those games let him get the experience try and build the confidence since we're stuck with him anyway that's how i look at it uh, the the only thing we can fight for at this point is Conference League, and I don't think Nantes is getting any points anytime soon. It's going to be... Now, maybe against the game against Nantes, okay, maybe then that we have a discussion, you know, Pascalakis, Cholakis, based on experience or not, but I'm sorry, I don't rate Pascalakis as a keeper. I know he had good moments for Balk in the Conference League last season, but he was garbage in the league. Statistically garbage. The worst goalkeeper in the league last season if we're comparing goals saved uh, uh chances that he could have saved versus what he did save his conceded to xg conceded was the worst in in the super league last year okay he's got european experience he does i, I i'll say that so oh, <laughs> Sorry, you're getting hounded, man. i know there's two people that asked if this is the the Vudos kid so I'll, I'll answer that question for you boys can you see it in full uh can you see it in full? I had people dogging me for my black kit. Remember when I wore the black? I love that kit because they said it was bad luck. I have to find my. Uh, I have to find my gold kit. I have one of those too. I haven't. I. I think oh, I wow. left it. The Vodafone yeah. one. Oh yeah. Oh my god! It's one of my favorites. I have to find it. I haven't been able to find it for a couple of years now. Anyway, all I'm going to say is my issues with Solakis. Reflex save-wise, he's fantastic. He has great reflexes. And that's really the core thing I look for in a goalkeeper. But the problem with Solakis is more, and this probably relates to his confidence, is his distribution. Um, he has a lot of scary moments. Uh, I think his distribution, distribution improved a lot, man. It has improved. but I mean, He almost had an assist to Cissé in the last game. I think the last uh, game he played in the league as well. Like he's, he's He played a pass to assist. Yeah, but he, if you, if we look at, he, you're right there. Yes, he's had a couple of those. His, he, he has great awareness, I'll say, in that respect. But he's, his, his pass accuracy as a goalkeeper for the games that he's played so far is 68%. It's not good. He's given the ball away more than a few times and he's gotten us into a couple of dangerous scenarios, but that's youth. He's 19. I don't like, I, he grows out of that. So that's, that's how I see that. So for me, I, I prefer to just stick with Zolakis at this point. I don't, I don't see value in Pascal Lackeys, and I never have. But that's just me personally. I, 
Yeah, I don't have uh, I don't have anything against Pascalakis. I think he had an amazing season when Balk won the league. He was one of those keepers where I I just thought, ah, oh, you know, I really hated him because everything that was going towards the goal, he would stop. She had an incredible incredible role that season for Balk. Um, otherwise, I think he's he's a bit he's a bit inconsistent. I do think that the whole statistical thing last season, it's a it's also um, a result of broader problems at Balk, changes yeah. in the defence, yeah. and yeah, look That's at the personnel that he had in front of him. That increases the yeah the xG as well. But uh, but yeah, for me right now, you you have to stick with you have to stick with Zolakis right now. I, I but I, not to say that's what's going to happen. I actually wouldn't be surprised to see Pascalagis getting a call up in Europe. I, I, I really don't know. Um, um, one more is Cisse done? By the way, not for me. For me, no, no. I don't think we can afford. I don't think the club can afford to tell him to take a hike. No. To be honest with you, comment from Super Nerd Sawyer. Um, but yeah, I think it's good uh, that he put put his mind to ease and he was left out today. And I expect yes. we'll see him back on on Thursday. We don't have a choice. I agree, I agree <laughs> with that. Well, let's do it. We're we're on an hour, almost an hour and a half here. Man of the match, coaches, great. Do you want to start, Costa? Do you want me to do it? <laughs> I, I don't have mine yet, actually. But we've yeah. asked. We've asked the uh, we've asked the fans. There's a, there's a poll going on. Gary Rodriguez, uh, James Rodriguez, Valbuena, and and Yanin Villar are the four options that we've put to to the fans. I'm not going to tell you what the numbers are yet, Ari. But um, I don't know. Are those the four? Who uh, is it between those four? Like, who's your man of the match? I mean, I I think those are probably the four best shouts. You could uh, uh, maybe midfield bias but i think agibu could get a shot in there with yeah. something that he did today but um for me for me i'm gonna go with gary i'm gonna go with gary rodriguez he gets the he gets the the go-ahead goal to, to draw everything to actually turn things around he looked uh dangerous uh, a lot of times when he had the ball i wish he got more touches on the ball i'll say um sometimes i wish uh, i feel like gary Rod gary can get more involved in the game than he does but he had a couple of decent opportunities created. Um, you know, James had the the penalty miss and did uh, had the first assist into Gary Rodriguez. But uh, you know, uh, I thought that he got quiet after a little after like maybe five ten minutes. Um, another shout is in Bam Wong. Maybe he wasn't the best in the first half, but there's only one person. Uh, there's only one person that probably had as many touches as. Um, in Vila, and that's in Bumhuang. And I will venture a guess to say that he had a higher touch count than Jan in Vila. Always at the center of everything, so he's always a shout. Uh, but I'm going to stick with Gary Rodriguez. And coach's grade uh, for Michel, the start the start of the game was really bad, uh, but he fixed it uh, with the substitutions that he made. So I give him a B plus. All right. Well, for me, man of the match is Mathieu Valbuena. Just for that cross that he put in, I, I can't really, I can't really split it between the other guys. Like I think, like I said, the 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 game was really won by moments of individual individual brilliance. B 
be it from from James with the pass, Rodriguez with that finish, and then crucially, it's is Valbuena that puts in a a magical cross for Bakambu that leads to the winner. So for me, even if it's a short cameo on the pitch, for me, he's the man of the match. He's the he's the match winner. And there's a great video going around uh, on the Red Duckling account. We've shared that on our IG stories as well of uh, a live footage from inside the stadium. Valbuena taking that free kick and Bakambu burying it. If you haven't checked that out already, you can go and find it on our on our Instagram channel. Coach is great. I'm going to give it B minus. <laughs> I'm a bit miffed by the, the changes in formation all the time. Even though, again, yeah, he's... he's clearly still trying to find find out more about the players that he has um he has that um he has that excuse but uh as you said he did make changes in the second half to turn it around so grand scheme of things for me it's b minus and you know some of those star players have got him out of jail today and got all of us out of jail so b minus for mitchell man of the match Mathieu Valbuena for me and uh, actually, I can tell you now, the voters on our channel, uh, 12% say Gary Rodriguez, 52% saying James Rodriguez, that's 52% for James Rodriguez, 52% uh, really liked the uh, no-look pass, apparently, 14% uh, for, for Mathieu Valbuena and 22% uh, for Jan Envula. That's what we got okay, from okay. from the uh, from the YouTube poll. All right, not too bad, not too bad. I I respect all of those decisions. Uh, I think all four of those players, you you had a, a reason to shout. Even a couple of ones that we mentioned that maybe weren't uh, that weren't up there on the poll. Uh, but guys, we're gonna close it up here. Almost an hour and a half in. If you haven't done so, again, don't forget like and subscribe. Help us continue to grow the red and white community. Uh, the community is getting larger than any of us ever suspected or ever expected. Suspected, what am I saying? <laughs> getting late. <laughs> but help us continue to make it bigger and bigger. Monos G7 giving Gate 7 INTL an A triple plus. Thank you so much, my friend. We love to do it. You guys keep us going. So help us continue to grow this. And don't forget, 3K subs. Sooner we get there, the sooner we get another giveaway. So. We'll see you guys next time. We have another game coming up on Thursday. We're now playing Garabag away. So we'll see what happens. I know it's tough times, guys. But remember, we're always here. This community is always here. We have some great things to look forward to. The basketball team looks fantastic. So there's something to, to like there. And we'll always be here so you have a place to vent, to discuss your opinions, to share, collaborate. And we'll open the lines more as well uh, so that you can also talk to us. So, Kaliniktasas, thank you all so much for joining us tonight. Uh, and thank you, everyone, that made it this far. Until next time, this is Gate 7 International. Oh,